for people who are going through it, share your feelings. Do not bottle it up. Try to talk about it with anyone, whether it's your doctor, your friend, girlfriend, a boyfriend, your dog. Just say things out loud or start journaling. I was never the type of person to journal. Wouldn't catch me dead. And my brother and sister bought me a journal to write down business ideas because I'm always trying to make a new one. I want to be on Shark Tank as well as many other reality shows. And vent about my feelings and I started journaling every day and it made me feel much better about how to articulate my thoughts. Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get what is going on you guys welcome back to just go with it happy friday happy hour you know the drill we're very excited today because we have a very special guest and also it's not just a special guest but it's a male and we don't have a male on the podcast a lot because we don't know a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) not many of them stick around but here's one who has tried and true (laughs) for the past years our friend my ironically ex-boyfriend there's nothing ironic about it Well, I think it's silly, you know? It's just a silly antidote. Yeah, something so special is that I have mastered the art of being friends with my ex, and you should all try it because it's really fun and really special. But we have our friend, our dear friend of many years, and my ex-boyfriend, Mr. Jacob Hall, on the podcast today. Welcome, Jacob. Hello, everyone. We're so excited to chat with you. He has the most interesting life story, and he has been through a whole lot in life in his first, you know, 24 years, much more than a lot of us. So we're really excited to kind of pick his brain about his story. Before we get into the trials and tribulations, I would like to take this time to publicly thank Jacob for being the one who introduced us to some of the better times in our lives. And by that, I purely mean the amazing race and survivor. Purely. (laughs) I do what I can. People don't know what's best. There is not a person on this earth, I'm convinced, who knows more about Survivor, the show, the filming, the taping, the casting process. I thought you were going to say more about yourself, considering you were lovers for several years. (laughs) And not a single person who knows me better than me, than Mr. Jacob Hall. No. (laughs) Um, No, but he is a Survivor fiend. Is that your favorite competition reality show or is there another one like big brother that might have trumped it for you? oh no survivor by far i watch it every okay. single day i was actually watching it up to the very minute you guys said hop on this podcast you know can't stop won't stop can't stop won't stop day in day out night rolls into the next survivor is rolling on the big screen okay who is your or what's your favorite season and then who is your favorite and least favorite player oh favorite season easy i know it's um one of those seasons that every single person loves, everyone starts with it. Season 16, Micronesia, fans versus favorite one. A classic. Oh, yeah. I the remember OG. the OG. I remember when I first watched the show, I actually couldn't even find the remote to change the TV. And season 28 was premiering and I was at my dad's house and it came on and I was frantically looking for the remote because I had these preconceived notions that Survivor was a horrible show which i don't know why because i was obsessed with this show growing up called total drama island which is essentially a cartoon version of survivor but i had these preconceived notions that survivor was horrible anyway Mm -hmm. i couldn't find the remote i'm sure a lot of people do 
I don't know why. Yeah, I guess it was just something that was shoved down our throats. It's as just kids. misinformation. Misinformation, honestly. exactly. We were misinformed. And we're here to educate and inform on this podcast. Those <laughs> are our missions. <laughs> well, after I couldn't find the remote, I watched the season premiere of Twenty Eight. Was hooked. I went onto YouTube, watched the entire season. You had you had your eyelids propped open with like toothpicks to make sure that you could stay up all night. <laughs> <laughs> the premiere ended at 9 p.m. I watched the first episode on YouTube of the only one I could find, which was season 16. I pulled my sister into the room. She started on episode two. We watched season 16 that night and season 20 the next day. And it's been an uphill <laughs> battle to quit my addiction every single day since then. And that's on addictive personalities, everyone. We love to see it. I had Abby and Jacob in one room together for a couple of years. <laughs> okay. So that's really special. And something I'd like to share with the class is that I personally have also been hooked on Survivor ever since I dated Jacob four years ago, just became an avid watcher. And I look to him for all things Survivor advice, etc. So he kind of tells Ashley and I which seasons to watch in what order, which ones are worth our time and whatever. And I'm actually attending a Survivor casting call on Thursday of this week which is so exciting we are very excited living vicariously through abby on this one right now i thought you were supposed to drive like 40 hours to kentucky through the dead of night jacob shouldn't you be in the car right now i was but i'm coming to see you next week that's true but no casting calls here so you can't have them you can't have it all me nobody tells me anything i'm left in the dark (laughs) great friends y'all are staying in california too or can you make it last minute yeah, that's like so special for you guys. Thanks for the fucking Sandy invite. And Orange County and LA. You would have yeah. had a ball. He told me like three days ago. It was very last minute. I'm trying to do something before I go up to Denver, which I think I might be moving October 1st. TBD. People are flaky. Oh, wow. We're learning so many new things. <laughs> if you're hearing this, this is the sign to keep up with your friends and continue to ask questions because one minute you're going to Survivor Casting, the next minute your friends are moving to Denver and seeing each other across the country and you're having FOMO. So I make very rash last minute decisions all the time. You should text Delaney Keeler about that, but we can talk about that later. Anyways, should we get into the real reason we're here today? Yes. So basically... At the risk of sounding slightly insensitive, just because we know and we love Jacob and we're so close to him, he's been through some shit. I didn't think that we might sound insensitive talking about this because he beat it into us to sound insensitive and to joke. If anybody (laughs) knows, like, a type of relationship you have with a really close friend, like, you make jokes about everything. Literally everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. Nothing is off limits. Nothing's off limits. And so because we have that relationship, we can talk freely and openly about it. Um, But Jacob is a cancer survivor. And we're going to just pick his brain about that a little bit just because I assume that going through something that crazy at such a young age, at like 22, is that when you were diagnosed? I want to say. Yeah. When did we graduate college? It was the month after we graduated. So whenever that happened. Yeah, Yeah, like fresh out, new grad, post-grad whole life ahead of you and then something completely derails everything that you had envisioned the next kind of chapter of your life to be which is the cancer so not a lot of people go through that at that age which is just very something interesting you have a new perspective to bring to all of us so yeah we're gonna talk about that but don't you guys worry it's not gonna be a what was me sad sack cancer podcast episode okay (laughs) So don't turn your dial yet. This is a 1965. (laughs) It sounds like a fireside chat. (laughs) Don't you turn that dial. No, but this is going to be fun, lighthearted, but it's going to bring you guys a really interesting perspective 
possibly that you've never heard before. And I think that's always really important to learn from other people. So Jacob, you're probably one of the most open, honest, and vulnerable people I've ever met. So I can't wait to ask you anything and everything about this. Oh yeah, whatever you want to know. But don't get Live too personal. On air. Nothing too personal. Wouldn't dream of it. Okay, so to square some bases away, what type of cancer did you have? Just so that people know, and they're not fishing through your Instagram. Yeah, right now people are probably like, they're like lung, brain, breast, testicular. You can find on the internet unless you go to my mom's Facebook because every post about it lately was that. But um, I had a (laughs) cancer called sarcoma. It was a sarcoma cancer, and it's called malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor. So it was a rare nerve cancer, essentially. And the only way you could get it is if you have something called NF or neurofibromatosis, which seems harmless, but it's birthmarks, essentially. And everyone, when I tell them I have NF, they're like, oh, those are just birthmarks. But if you've ever seen the show Man with Half a Face, where he has a giant lump of cancer on his face, he has NF. Which so, I'm sure literally every listener on this podcast has hey, seen that it's show. A, it's a TLC show. Who doesn't watch TLC? TLC special. So, everyone loves TLC. Extreme I two coupons. Life, come on. Thousand pound sisters. <laughs> but yes, so I had malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor. I thought you had initially bone cancer, so some people led me astray when the news was passed along through telephone. I think it's because when do a I posted my out. GoFundMe, I put a picture of like an x-ray, or I don't know, it was a CT scan, and it did look like a bone because... No, people very like- intimately close to us told me it was bone cancer, so we need to work on your everyone's linear communication skills. People are well, not good at telling. I'll a good picture for you listeners. So Jacob and I dated 2018 to 2019. Am I correct? Am More I clearly mm-hmm. somewhere? 2017 we met to when we were all sophomores in college studying abroad. We dated for about a year, year and a half, and some change somewhere around there. And so we were pretty close. I mean, we did the whole damn thing. And then we had a lot of similar mutual friends. We graduated from college. And even after sharing that special, special bond of dating someone, I was the last one to find out that this kid had cancer. And I vividly remember where I was, just like everyone remembers where they were when JFK got shot. I remember where I was when I found out that Jacob had cancer. And I was a little chafed that I was the last to find out. But like, it makes sense. I mean, I'm not I'm not in your life anymore, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was quite um, quite the shocker, to say the least, at the age of 22. And I'm just a bystander. I'm just a witness. Well, so tell me what was going through your mind when you were first diagnosed and well, everything. First, you were the last to know because you were easily the most overly emotional person I ever met. And I wasn't ready to talk to anyone about it. I didn't even tell my outside family about it at first. The only people who knew were a couple people and my mom, sister, and brother because they were at the house when I found out. Mm-hmm. Um, but initially when I found out, I joked a lot as I do about everything to cope with it. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem real until I worked my way up to the doctors when I was getting told how surgery would go down when they told me that I might either have to amputate my leg or I might never walk again. And that's when it actually hit me. And that was the first time I cried during the whole process, even after I had already went through radiation. So At first, I just thought it was going to be like a battle, you know, an anecdote I would use to get on Survivor or Amazing Race, (laughs) whatever might be legit my first thought. And it all comes back to Survivor. Always. And it became more real when I found out that there was going to be, you know, 
real life implications that are going to be long standing. But I didn't get amputated. I could still walk. The only thing is I have something called drop foot as a result. So I pretty much have to wear uh, ankle foot orthotic or a brace attached inside my shoe to do activities. So they cut out all the cancer. They went in. You had multiple surgeries. You did chemo. You did radiation. You lost your hair. You grew your hair back. You had a jufro. You shaved it off. You grew your hair back again, and it's normal. I all the things. Hair. Quite the roller coaster. But talk to me about that first time when you said it was the very first time out of one or two times that you cried the entire time because you're not really big into crying. But when they told you that they might have to possibly amp- amputate your entire leg for them to get rid of the whole cancer. And this is from a very active 22-year-old. You love to ski, snowboard, play volleyball, play sports, run outside, hike, all those things. So obviously losing your leg at the age of 22 is extremely traumatic, but especially for someone whose favorite things is to be very active and outside. So tell me about like your thought process. Like how are you, how are you thinking and what were you going to do to like get through something like that? I was actually terrified. I turned to my mom. Well, I was crying in the room and the doctor verbatim said, sucks, doesn't it? I, my, I didn't, oh my gosh. Did you should have left them a bad review on the doctor um, website where you can leave reviews? No, it was incredible. Yeah. And she was like top five doctors in the world. I was so lucky to be at Mayo Clinic. So she was just trying to, you know, set the tone for, I, I have to be realistic. I turned to my mom after we left the room and I told her that I might not get the surgery. Like I'm going to sit on it. And they told me if I don't get it, you know, I'll die within 10 years. But I was willing to make that decision to live either the next 10 years doing the things I love and mild pain. Or, I mean, I thought my leg was going to be amputated. I didn't, I wasn't thinking what the best case scenario could be, which is right now when I have drop foot, possibly being able to be healed in a couple of years. But I was just scared because I knew my life was going to change forever. And I kind of lost my identity. All these things that I used to love to do, you know, skiing, hiking, surfing. Now I'm trying to figure out what I could do with my new life. What stage was it again? Three. Out of five? Yeah, out of five. But isn't okay. five like you are? Five's five like is like you're done so for is like best of luck to you. It's probably in your lungs metastasized, you know? Yeah. And three is like, this is rough. Three is like, good thing you caught it now. Two and one is like, nice going, you're smart. I hope that's not insensitive. Cancer sucks in general. Sorry if anyone in stage one or stage two is listening. Yeah, I definitely don't want this conversation to come off as insensitive anyway. I did preface with it as us being really close friends, and that's why we're able to like make slight jokes about it and cope with it in that way. But if you are someone who has seen someone very close to you go through cancer, hopefully this is bringing you some kind of therapeutic help in any kind of way and just kind of talking about it knowing you're not alone and hopefully this is helpful but just you know prefacing that yet again because I know it's obviously like a heavy topic so what made you decide to have the surgery after all honestly I decided because I saw how much my mom was teared up from it you know reaction obviously her son's going through cancer so I initially pretty much decided that I wasn't going to do it then I sat on it and I made the decision for my family because I thought that if I was gone in a couple of years before they were, that's not very fair. And of course, that could still happen at any point of life. But I didn't want to put that pressure on them and put all these medical bills on them for me to die in 10 years, you know, because I'm going to have to still upkeep with it either way. And then so I know that you had the surgery and then you had other surgeries and things were really rough. And then what 
What kind of like were you holding on to in the midst of all of this? Or were you just down in the dumps 24-7? How were things looking emotionally? Because this was a dark time. Like we didn't hear from you for a good long while because you're a very private person for the most part in terms of when you go through something hard, you don't want to make it other people's problem. You want to just kind of go through it on your own pace at your own time and not kind of burden other people, at least that's the way you would see it as burdening other people with your struggles. So there's not a lot that we knew about what was going on with all of it until we like asked. And even then when you're, when someone close to you is going through cancer, it's like hard to ask because you're like, what do I ask? What questions are too much? Is this going to be too hard? So yeah. Tell us about the mental strain that it took on you. The mental strain was enormous. Like I didn't know what I was holding on to when I was going through it. Um, I mean, chemo is what I had before I had the surgery, which was hard enough. I was sitting in bed because I didn't want to move. My big move would be from the bed to the couch to eat. And then once I had the surgery itself, I was allowed five minutes standing time, an hour for almost two months. I wasn't allowed to lay on my back. I wasn't allowed to stand. I wasn't allowed to sit. So I pretty much had to lay on my side or my stomach. And my five minutes was going to sit on the toilet. So I had no exercise. I couldn't do anything. I was just depressed. And the only thing that I really knew was that I was going to get through this. And then I would figure out what I'm going to do next. Because at that point, I was just so sick and miserable that I had nothing to hold on to. And But somehow you just knew you were going to get through it. I think what helped most for me was that I had a certain number of chemos scheduled out. So I knew that there was an end date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really helpful. I guess I kind of took it as a competition. I'm like, <laughs> the end is in sight after this day. I thought everything might magically get better, but I didn't know how. And while you're going through this and you were kind of not really knowing about the light at the end of the tunnel, were you leaning on anyone in particular in your life or were you kind of leaning into your faith or did, the, did this bring you really far away from God or what did that look like? It did push me further away from God. I already had a slipping relationship after Pepperdine, just something the way Pepperdine handled faith and convocation pushed me away mm. further as things went on. But this was also in the peak of COVID. So I was terrified of getting sick. So most of the time, no one would come into the room. I wouldn't see people besides when they brought me food all day. Oh, God. I had so much alone time. I would just sit in my mom's room because that's the only one that has a bathroom attached and watch TV all day long. I also was heavily medicated. I don't remember a large part of it because I was in so much pain from the nerves. And honestly, what a blessing. <laughs> what yeah, a blessing. Because that's a way to pass time. It was crazy. I'd be watching a movie. And when my mom brought me in dinner, she goes, oh, you watched this yesterday. And I did. Oh, God. Hot <laughs> twist every day was the same thing. And I was still shook. It's like 50 first dates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Abby had had that information, she would have ran with it if she knew that you were forgetting stuff every day. No <laughs> secret. I would never tell I'm anyone. I'm like, no, Jacob, we're still together. What don't you remember? <laughs> Jacob, what friends? What other life? <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> I once told Ashley that if she gets dementia in her old age, that oh, I'm going to yeah. make her a scrapbook of our lives while we're young through growing up. And I'm going to tell her whatever stories I want to tell her so I can craft her craft her life in her mind. And it's all going to be centered around Abby, my entire life's path. <laughs> so were you watching a lot of Survivor? I just need to know. Like, was that a lot of what was gracing your television? I actually didn't watch a lot of Survivor during that time, just because I had rewatched almost all of them recently. So I took a break and then I started rewatching them after. 
But what yeah. I mainly watch, I had a routine every morning. We don't have cable. We have all the streaming services, but we also have this weird add-on in my mom's room, which plays like 11 local channels. And one of the channels plays Deal or No Deal all day, every day. So for the morning, I would watch Deal or No Deal. It'd usually be the same, like seven episodes. I knew it was going to happen. But... Well, you forgot from the day before. <laughs> yes, you're right. I did forget. Sorry. I don't know why I said I remember. And I would watch <laughs> Deal or No Deal all day long. And then a lot of cartoons. They just made me feel better. I watched a lot of Pokemon, which isn't good. It just brought me back to my childhood. It made me feel something. That's how I feel when I'm sick. And if I put on like pretty little liars, it makes me feel safe. And like I'm 12 years old again. And it's a comforting thing. How did you want people to like tread around your cancer? Like, did you want us to call constantly and check up on it? Or was it like, don't ask, don't tell, like out of sight, out of mind for other like, people in your life? Better kind of thing. Yeah. It's really hard because your emotions are changing so rapidly at a time like this. You know, you're getting new information every day. You're feeling sick every day. You're some days you want emotional support. Some days you don't want to see a single person because you'll just start crying. But I don't know. What one thing that you guys did that really made me feel great is I would when you guys sent me Chick Fil A. Someone would DoorDash Chick Fil A to my door, and it just made me feel incredible because it made me feel like people cared, but they also weren't checking on me all the time, which mm-hmm. just gets in the way. You don't want to be woe is me. Some people do. I didn't. I don't want people to treat me any differently because of it. Um, unless you're an airline. No victim mentality me the first here. Class. But yes, no victim mentality. Do you feel like when you would like, just like theoretically, like let's say you're talking to Abby. And would you ever feel like, oh, I'm like kind of getting annoyed that Abby one day like is asking me how I'm doing. And then like the next time I'm like getting annoyed that she's not asking me how my cancer is. Like, do you ever, would you ever feel that back and forth? Like. No, I didn't expect people to, you know, drop everything and ask how they're doing. Everyone has their own lives. Everyone has their own things going on and things causing them stress, no matter how hard it is or how different it seems to other people. You know, sometimes people getting the wrong sauce with their side causes the same amount of stress as some major life thing to someone else. It's crazy because everything's perception. So I wasn't expecting any, you know, I wasn't really expecting Special any. treatment. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. That's okay. That's what we're here for. We're wordsmiths. We're full of them. We can never shut up. Fun fact, uh, one of the drugs I was on currently has a lawsuit against them for memory loss. So I'm about to hop on it. Here we go. (laughs) Calling up my lawyers as we speak. If you have memory loss later on. Christina Stratton, where are you at? (laughs) I'll give her a call. Yeah. Wait, what if you have memory loss later on? And then we're stuck with you never remembering anything, just like when you were on all the drugs. And you guys I'm are back have to, to the scrapbook, actually. Scrapbooks are bad. Yeah, that's true. I guess something small mercies. All right. Well, that's enough sad stuff because what's exciting is that you made it through, regardless of how it happened, how long it took, whatever. You made it through. You're in remission. You are going to physical therapy and working to kind of get, basically, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, basically the nerves and the the wiring in your brain to be able to make your foot work again. Yeah. Yeah. So I, after my initial surgery, which was to remove the cancer, I had a second surgery where I flew out to a doctor who's only done the surgery a limited amount of times because it was a newer thing, but it was pretty much a special nerve transplant where they took nerves from different parts of my bodies and stitched all along my leg where they cut out the giant part of the nerve that had the cancer attached to it in hopes that it would make the foot be able to work again. Um, 
but the problem is it grows at like one millimeter a day. So it takes minimum a year and eight months to see if it worked because my recession of how much nerve they took out was so big. And if it does work, I also have to have my muscles still working because since I can't use my calf, it's becoming atrophied. So the best I could do oh, is stretch true. it and hope that the muscle doesn't die by the time the nerve grows enough. Oh, so God. it's just a waiting game. And um, a lot of. And how far along are you in that process now? I think I'm at a year and six months. So I should start being able to see a twitch, which I have. I saw my little toe twitch the other day and I. Your toe twitch. We have a toe twitch, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't tell us that your toe twitched. Why didn't you let us know? Because sometimes it's hard to see if it's like my leg moving on like a surface Uh. or if it's my toe actually twitching because I obviously do it on different. I rest it on my ankle. I rest it on the table and it could just be slipping from me pushing too much with my hamstring rather than my cat. Well, next time you get a toe twitch, you best be sending us a video because that's like a baby walking, <laughs> taking his first steps. I want to see the toe twitch. Steps. So once, if this all completely works, will you be able to have feeling in your foot again? Because a concern on the 4th of July that Abby was screaming was that a firework was going to fall on your foot and you weren't going to be able to feel it. No, the feeling will never come back, but the usage will, and that's what's important. Okay, yeah. It's Who good needs- that I don't feel it because sometimes my foot bleeds either from my brace rubbing it raw or I was just clipping my toenails and I cut way too much off and I was in the shower and I was gushing blood and I looked down and I'm like, no pain. This is great. Oh, good heavens. For win-win. <laughs> that's such a boy thing to say. Okay. So now that you've been through something that's quite traumatic at a young age, did you come out with a different perspective on life or how has that like informed the way that you see the world, life in your twenties, life in general, just your perspective? Yes, as you know, I used to be the type of person who really cared about money. I still do. I still want a lot of money. But I used to think that the only thing that mattered in life was pretty much being a one percenter and that relationships or deep relationships with friends, families, loved ones, significant others weren't necessarily super important. Yeah, they were there to help you through life. It was kind of just a void to fill. But oh, and I dated this person, ladies and gentlemen. That's I so- dated him. <laughs> okay, but you know how I felt. You hear that? <laughs> Straight from the horse's mouth. Abby didn't matter. She was just filling the void of money. <laughs> filling a void. Money, 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 money. That, that's not. That's not what I meant. Um, Abby, you know that you helped my emotional wall go down because it was very. No, high of course. When I like met I you. always help men's emotional walls go down. It's literally my sole purpose in life. Thank oh, yeah. you. Next. Moving on. Anyway. I just realized that money isn't the most important thing. Well, it is something that you obviously need to live and some people are okay with, you know, making $50,000 a year or whatever for the rest of their lives. Um, I realized that interpersonal relationships are much more important than these materialistic things that I used to want to shoot for because of what happened in my upbringing where we went from having everything to having nothing. Yeah, this is a song for another time, but (laughs) I will just briefly touch on, before the whole cancer situation, Jacob's life already was interesting enough to write a memoir and a book about because he has a real riches to rags to riches story, still working on the richest part on that second half, but he grew up, his dad was in the NFL for 11 years, was 
super wealthy family, you know, his kind of around the Real Housewives first getting started, his family was asked to be on it. They were asked to be on multiple reality shows, you know, kind of the it family of the Atlanta, Georgia area. And then slowly but surely, everything kind of crashed down. We're not going to get too much into it. But basically, they lost everything and they completely had to readjust with life. And he kind of had to claw his way back up to the top, was the salutatorian of his high school, went to Pepperdine University, studied abroad in Switzerland. Um, Just telling Jacob's life story, but (laughs) it really is super interesting. So you're going to see a book come out one day. I believe that. I think it should be the narrator for the audiobook of it. How we could ghostwrite it, I guess. Yeah, you know, Audible. Every- <laughs> yeah, Audible. Catch me on Audible being a voice actor like I've always wanted to be. Finally, I get to read books for people on Amazon who are too lazy to read. Yeah, you're the, the ghostwriter for Jacob's wife's story. Jacob doesn't have any hands in it. I do different voices for the different characters. Yeah, but <laughs> anyways, you already had a lot of turbulent stuff going on, and that lends to your mindset of money is money is power, money is key, until the cancer thing came into the picture. That kind of helped me realize that, well, like I said, well, money is something you need to live, and nobody wants to live a food stamps life or a mediocre life that I don't need to have my whole life be based upon trying to make $10 million a year, because it's not realistic, but that's the way I used to think. And now yeah. I'm really investing a lot more time in relationships and trying to find hobbies that are going to be more accessible to me while still dabbling in the ones that I used to love. They're just not as easy for me to do, mm-hmm. but I would never give them up. What are some of the hobbies that are accessible to you these days? Pass. That's what I'm still working on. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> the problem is i love so many things but then i am not good at them so i get very mad oh so it's a you problem it's not even about your leg it's that you aren't good right away yes but also then i get you know how i am i'm adhd type of person i get bored very easily so it's i'm not super good at it and then i'm like oh maybe i like this more and then i pivot immediately and then it's down the drain so now that we're on the other side and you're working your corporate job what are some things that you are doing in your day-to-day life that are helping you find joy and positivity well i love going to the gym because when i first exited my whole cancer process I was the most frail human you could imagine. Like cancer really does suck the life out of you. I went from when I first got cancer, I weighed more than I usually do. I wasn't a big person, but I was in like the 215, 220 range. I'm normally in the 180. And at the end of my nine months, 10 months of chemo and surgeries, I dropped all the way down to 145. I was a tiny tiny person i mean abby you kind of saw me right when i was leaving nashville i was really small i don't know if you saw a difference from when you saw me then to when you saw me this past fourth of july but i'm back up to 185 (laughs) and i'm lifting quadruple what i was when i first started going to pt so i love going to the gym and seeing the progress i'm making um when i first started doing pt i couldn't walk and now i could jog so a lot of things are Mm -hmm getting better and it helps me feel better about myself when I see progress even mm-hmm. when I feel bad about how I used to be or the way that's something that work. you can control and that you have agency over as opposed to just the waiting game of like I don't know maybe one day my nerves will all grow and click together and I can use my foot again <laughs> exactly I mean I could go the prayer route and hope that God just zaps it to life or I could just hope that it comes back in the middle of my sleep or I could just play the 
you know, inchworm game. And every single day it gets a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I work a little bit harder. And if it doesn't, then I did everything I could do and I can't be mad at myself. Mm -hmm. That's really good. What type of advice do you have for both someone that is going through some sort of cancer or whatever type it might be or severity and then to someone who is a best friend, family member or something is going through cancer? For people who are going through it, share your feelings. Do not bottle it up. Try to talk about it with anyone, whether it's your doctor, your friend, girlfriend, a boyfriend, your dog. Just say things out loud or start journaling. I was never the type of person to journal. Wouldn't catch me dead. And my brother and sister bought me a journal to write down business ideas because I'm always trying to make a new one. I want to be on Shark Tank as well as many other reality shows. And vent about my feelings and I started journaling every day and it made me feel much better about how to articulate my thoughts, things I was feeling and how to express them, which I had a really hard time doing beforehand. And you feel like journaling really helped you with that? Oh, absolutely. I didn't know how I was feeling. And then once I put it on the paper, I wouldn't stop writing about why I was feeling that way. The first few, few times he sat down to journal, were you kind of at a loss? Like what the heck do people write normally? No, seriously, the first couple days, I go back sometimes. They're very sparse at first, and now I journal every single day. At first, it was like once a week, maybe once a month. And the entries would say, today was an okay day, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then it just turned into a much more in-depth and now, thought process. And now, when you're journaling every day, do you do journal prompts, or is it more just like a self-check-in? Like, this is how I'm feeling, this is my progress like on Avatar when he does his video diaries and he's like, day 437, this is the progress with the blue people. <laughs> is it like that? No, like, no. Well, the video diary. <laughs> it's turned a lot more into daily affirmations and not about myself really, but I'm tr- I've really tried to think about after this what – type of person I want to be and the things I want to accomplish. And there's four or five things every single day that I write down because I want to achieve those more than anything in the world. And it's kind of a reminder of why I'm doing the things I want to do. It's like if you're doing a podcast, are you doing a podcast because you want listeners or because you have a goal in mind, like you want to get better at talking or you want to have a creative, expressive outlet. So I'm trying to find out things that are going to help me become a better person and write those down on paper so I don't give up on those goals. I really like hearing this from a boy. And Jacob, this is giving me more hope for boys. (laughs) Jacob, the PR team for men. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob is the face of the um, straight male race. (laughs) So as you're doing this self-reflection and goal setting and working towards things and working through things, are you listening to any good podcasts or reading any books or is that not really something that you've tapped into much, you know, too much survivor screen time? Way too much survivor screen time. I have not been able to finish a book in (laughs) two years. I probably should start with something that isn't self-help and super. When you were bedridden, it sounded like a real good time to get into reading. Yeah, you could have probably finished one every other day. I don't think I'd be able to read the words on the paper. I don't think you understand how. No, 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 no. We get it. Medicated, drug induced. We should have rushed to his bedside and read out loud. We love reading out loud. <laughs> but I also haven't been a big podcast guy. I, besides you guys, is 
I watch a couple episodes here and there. The only podcast I've listened to is like a marketing expert podcast, which I download and listen to on the plane, but it's not like I'm an avid listener for anything. With very how entrepreneurial person. you are though, I feel like there's so many podcasts out there that you'd be really into. I agree, but the Just problem with that is I don't like being told what to do. And I also have a really bad problem where when I hear something, I get very fixated on that. And if they tell me how to do something in the startup phase of like a entrepreneurial business that I'm starting, I'll be stuck on that. And it takes me a while to remember that there's other ways that you could think outside the box and navigate any situation. Well, maybe we just start with like motivational positivity podcasts, like mindset podcasts, you know, successful ones that aren't so step-by-step. Here's how you start a business and more just like, here's how you be a successful person. And this is how successful people think, you know? I could just look on Instagram and look at one of those. It's carousel. called Ed Milet. You need to look him up. Yeah, you'd be really so, into him. He's um, so good. I don't need to listen to an hour podcast. I have seven bullet points, you know? And this guy's really good. We'll send it to you. Okay. <laughs> and then when we strayed a bit from the path. What is some advice for someone who's someone they're close to is when they're cancer? Oh, I feel like when people have others that are going through cancer, they tend to make it about them, which can be an issue. That's totally fine, but you don't need to take away what the other person is going through just because you're having a rough time too. Um, I think that- Are you talking from the perspective of the friend of or the cancer person? The friend of. Oh. People will be, that's what you're asking, correct? Yeah, yeah. The people will be like, I'm having such a rough time because my brother, my sister, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my daughter- my son, whatever it is, is going through cancer and my life changed so much. It's so hard. I'm having such a hard time coping with this. And they make it a lot about them. And from personal experience, sometimes people that were close to me, even though we just talked about this, I didn't want them to ask how I was doing, but like friends, but family members weren't. And it kind of made me feel bad when it was mm. family. Mm-hmm. So try to get out of your own heads. I had realize. a um, grandmother told me I was being selfish for having cancer so okay well that's extreme that's not normal (laughs) i feel like it is because people will be like i want to see you and you're like no i'm okay and they're like wow that's selfish how do you think i feel because i want to see you what if you die you're like what if i die yeah no i understand what you mean granny (laughs) i understand what's up jacob i really appreciate the way that you've been super open and honest with us this whole time i know kind of reminiscing on this really hard time for you and just coming out of it, it can be really difficult, but I think it's really special that you're able to share your story with us and our listeners. And I was just wondering if you had any closing thoughts about your perspective on going through something like this and if you had anything to, to leave the audience with. Yeah. Um, my best piece of advice, I know it sounds corny is when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. If something bad happens to you, make the best of it, milk the situation. Um, I get upgraded to first class sometimes because of cancer. Um, I'm starting a business because of cancer. I'm not going to sit here and weep about it. Whatever happens in your life, think about how you could use it to affect your life positively instead of making negative memories with it because there's nothing you could do to change it. It's all about perspective. And if you take a bad situation and reframe it, you're going to have a bitch. Oh, you're going to have a much better, happier life. Sorry. A redirection, not a rejection. Was that it, Ashley? Um, a redirection. Not a rejection, but a redirection. Yes, there you go. 
Um, since you were really low on the content of podcasts and helpful books, do you have a movie that you just believe to your core everybody should watch? Just one, not 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 multiple, just one. Like a child's movie or a anything, real movie? Anything. Like, I, who do we know that has children that we're recommending movies for? Well, no, I but mean, it, like, it could be there could be a life lesson in a child movie. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, something that you think is just like important for everyone to see. Impactful. Like mine is about time. That is an incredible movie. First off, um, second, Spy Kids two. That's all I've got. <laughs> I love that movie to my all core. Right. It has a lot of life lessons in there. You if have you to... haven't seen Spy Kids two in a while, this is your your sign. <laughs> you guys, the three of us, the three of us should be the thumbs for Halloween. <laughs> we are such idiots. All right. Well, if this story doesn't teach you to just go with it, then I don't know what will, because this is literally the epitome of having that mindset and just taking life as it comes. So thank you again, Jacob, so much for sharing your story. We always love chatting with you. Um, Can't wait to see what you do next in this life. I know that you're just going to take everything that you've gone through and just formulate it for the best. So I'm really excited to watch that all unfold and help in any way I can. Thank you guys for having me. All right, kids, go tear it up. Go tear it up. (laughs) 